Good morning, good morning. How's Connect doing today? Good? Good, good, good. Everybody glad to be in church, you know? You didn't get blown away or rained away. That's one way to get people in church, just kind of like turn up the water and turn on the blowers and everybody's running into the church, so praise God. I want to welcome all our online viewers and our cable viewers. Can we give them a big hand as they join us? Amen, that's awesome. Couple quick announcements. First of all, if you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek, and I'm the lead servant at Connect Community Church. And uh, it's an honor for you to be with us. We're so glad that you could join us, and hopefully, you get something that really helps you, and you can take away and apply. You know, between Sundays, you know, we try to do things that we we give you and we feed you that pass the who cares test. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, hopefully, when you listen, it's something that you can uh, you can embrace and engage and apply to your life. A um, couple of quick announcements, though. Um, one is, for those of you who call Connect Your Home, you're a, you're a frequent flyer, you're a family member of Connect. Even if you're on the fringe just checking us out, we're going to be changing our service times coming up uh, really soon. We're going to be bumping everything up a half an hour later. So, so all you 10 o'clock people, uh, it's moving to 10.30, 8.15 to 8.45, or 11.45 is going to 12.15. And I want to say something to all the 10 o'clocks. Uh, it's really early in the fall, but we're already at, you know, near capacity in the second service. And so in about a month, kind of another couple hundred people come back to church. It's just a statistical trend. And so if there's any way some of you who are leaders or family can consider attending either the earlier or the later, that's some of the reason for uh, the direction the service time changes. We would, be, we would much appreciate that. So we want to make sure that there's a level of comfort when people come to church and everybody doesn't have to climb over each other and step over each other and somebody gets, you know, elbowed during worship. Some of you people are cray-cray. So... Anyway, um, second announcement is uh, we are part, like a strategic partner with, with different ministries, but one of them is called Relate. Everybody say Relate. Relate. RelateChurches.com. I serve on the board for that, the, uh, and we basically uh, feel like the most strategic thing that we can do as a ministry through Relate is invest in pastors and leaders. And so there's some missionary work that people do where they, you know, they sometimes don't get to see the fruit. God bless you. They don't see some of the fruit of it. They're just kind of like casting seed in the air. So we believe that God wants us to kind of sow in rows. In other words, we want to be very strategic about how we plant our seed, our resources, our funds, our, our human efforts, our leadership capacity. And the Bible says that if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. And so I, I, we're formally coming up against the trend for pastors and leaders getting burnt out and quitting the ministry. One in seven quit the ministry, you know. And so that's really, it's getting worse is what basically the trend. Some people say one in three, so depending on who you're talking to. And so if you talk to the guy that just left, it's one in three. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we are strategically trying to help because if you shore up the shepherd, we believe the sheep will gather. So we really like to invest in pastors and leaders. So on September 27th, right here, we have what's called a Relate Huddle. It, they take over our entire building. There's pastors and leaders coming from all over New England. A lot of our friends and relationships come out, and they bring their teams. Some of our team serves them, and some of the Relate team that's coming in from all of the country serve these pastors and leaders. So it's an exciting way for you to see what's happening in the Northeast. Use your ta talent and time to really invest in something that has a tremendous kingdom impact. If you're interested, just go down to Guest Central and speak to one of our leaders there, and you can sign up. Many people take their days. We have dozens of people taking time off from work to serve. It's one of the funnest things and most impactful things we do at Connect. Amen? You can get your worship guides out. 
And uh, you're going you're gonna to get some good notes here today. This is going to help you in a big way. We're in a series called Growing Deeper. This is the part, the second part of that series. If you were not here last week, I, I, you know, I implore you to consider getting last week's message. Uh, it was a, I've never preached that message before. It was a, a first-timer, and it kind of deals with the, the problem of isolation, why it's so dangerous you know, to, to be in isolation, the Lone Ranger. You know, is the, the lone danger is the lone ranger. And so we want to keep you connected. And why is that so important? So those CDs are available uh, in the lobby. And then you can also watch online. Or you can subscribe to YouTube. If you go to YouTube and just type in Connect Community Church and subscribe, you'll get, the, you'll get an email with our, our messages just automatically in your email. So you don't have to do anything. They just show up in your email. It's pretty cool. So there you go. Um, all right. You ready to go? Are you ready to go, Pastor? Yes, I'm ready to go. Uh, I, I love, I love um, the fall. One of the things I love about the fall is just this, 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 this transition. You know, we're going from like hot and, and, and sweaty to cool and crisp. You know what I mean? Speaking of crisp, apple crisp, anybody? Anybody? You know, I'll always have a gravitational pull towards music and food in every message if you're new here. So something like that's going to come up, all right? But, uh, you know, I, I love that transition. I love just being able to open the windows, sleep with the cool air, one foot in, one foot out. Come on, gentlemen. Ladies, I don't know what your problem is. You're, in, you're under, like, parkas and blankets. And The one thing I don't like about the fall is because it gets cooler, my wife's cold feet come over to my side of the bed a little bit more. That's a problem. But as you transition, what happens in the summer is, while it's a time of rest and a period of kind of rebooting physically and things like that, there is this tendency during the summer to pick up some bad habits. You know, like no gym, lots of ice cream. Anybody? <laughs> right? So we pick up some bad habits, but we can put down some good habits. And so I want to encourage you while I'm talking to you to really re-engage those habits that strengthen you relationally. So I'm not just talking about physical habits. I'm not just talking about make sure you're, you know, reading a good book. I'm talking about your relationships with, with God and with others who are serving and loving God. So it's time to get back into church, back into the, the healthy routines of our life. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Uh, it should come up on the screen, but it says, let us think about each and each other and help each other to show love and to do good deeds. Awesome. Then it says, you should not stay away from church meetings. So this is the New Century version. Other versions say you should continue to be in the habit of meeting together. And then it says, as some are doing. That means some aren't doing it. Some are doing it. Okay? But you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more. Everybody say even more. As you see the day coming. Now, that day coming, he's talking about the return of Christ. We've already seen him come once. We, we wouldn't be here if we didn't believe that. But he's coming again. Come on, somebody. But we're closer to him coming again than we were yesterday. And as we get closer to him coming again, the Bible says you need to meet more and more and more. Culture is trying to get us to meet less and less and less and be isolated and, and pulled away from the things of God and, the, and God's people. We can't do that because the disease of drift will take over. I watch people on the beach this year as they do every year. They get on those little rafts and they kind of like relax and they plop their head back. And then with, within like 30 minutes, they're out to sea. That's what it's like for us relationally. If we, if we don't have others paying attention to us, if we don't have others kind of rowing the boat with us, we cannot be by ourselves on the raft. Otherwise, we'll be drifting down the sea. And so sometimes you got to bring some of these good habits back. You know, I learned a principle years ago that first we form habits and then habits form us. 
And good habits precede good character. And so the habit of meeting together is a habit the Bible says, not just Pastor Derek. I'm not here trying to fill seats or have big crowds. I'm trying to have solid, healthy Christians who love God and their lives are working. Amen? So let's talk about relationships this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about relationships. Turn to your second choice say, you need some. That's not a dating opportunity for all you singles. It's not a dating opportunity, okay? So, so, so we're going to talk about strategic or intentional relationships. A lot of times we say things behind the scenes as, as leaders. We say relationship plus strategy or intentionality equals growth or discipleship. So what does that look like is what we're going to talk about today. And when I read the Bible, one of the, one of the everybody has gifts, so this is one of my gifts. One of my gifts is to look at the Bible, see certain characters in the Bible, and then see certain characteristics in those characters, pull those out, and then apply those to our life. And so we're going to look at two characters in the Bible from 1 Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan. Everybody say Jonathan. That's not the handsome guy that's roaming around here, floating around here. Some of you know who he is, our worship experience, you know, uh, kind of uh, guy. But uh, no, Jonathan is Saul's, Saul's son and then an armor bearer, okay? He doesn't have a name, so apparently he wasn't cool enough to get a name in the Bible, but he's pretty important, so we'll talk about him too. So here's what's happening in 1 Samuel 14, and I'm going to read it in just a minute, and I'm probably going to have to use my CVS $10 glasses because I hate my glasses that I bought. And um, so that's a problem. I have to go back and do that. But anyway, but here's the context of what's happening in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. Israel, the people of God, are going through a bunch of changes. They are in kind of this, uh, they're, they're a unique and peculiar people. New Testament says peculiar. You know, another word for that could be unique. They are not like all the other nations of the earth. In fact, their government is very different. God would speak to a prophet. The prophet would speak to the people. That's an oversimplification of their government. And so Israel, like us, basically starts pushing back to the prophets and to God and basically says, we're looking around and we see all the other nations of the earth and they have a king and they have government, and they have armies, and we want to be like them. In other words, we want to be normal. We want to be like everybody else. Sound like people? Yeah, and so that's what Israel is doing. And so God's saying, no, you don't want that. Trust me, you don't want that. You're a peculiar people. You're a holy nation. I want to show forth my, my, my good works and my power and my light and, and, and all that through you. You don't want that. No, we want that. No, you don't. Yes, we do. So finally, like any parent, if, if those of you who are parents or have parents, that's all of you, it, 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 we, the parent relents. And so God relents. Sometimes we think that's bad parenting, but sometimes the best thing a parent can do is, okay, okay, okay. You, you don't want to learn from me. I'm trying to save you all that. You're going to have to learn it on your own. So, so God relents, and he gives them a king, and he lets them go down that path that they want to go to. And the first king appointed, his name is Saul. Saul stood ahead tall, and everybody, he's handsome, he's good-looking, he's, he's kind of, you know, like the people's choice, etc. And he would have been on the cover of, you know, you know, whatever, sexiest man alive or something like that. And uh, that's Saul. So they appoint Saul. He's the king. Everybody tracking with me? So, so Saul is the first king of Israel, and basically he's recently appointed, and, and he's trying to establish himself, trying to establish government, and they've got these, these, this nemesis of people known as the Philistines. If you're a Star Trek-y kind of person, it's like the Klingons. They're just a people of war. They're a menacing people. They're intimidating, and, and they're trying to stay away from them or defeat them, and so Basically, in this effort to try to find freedom from them, the Klingons keep coming around. I mean, I mean, the Philistines keep coming around and pounding on them and pounding on them. And so basically, over and over again, 
They keep trying to establish this army. The army sees the Philistines. They defect and go back to their families. They establish another army, gather. Then they see the Philistines. They're scared. They defect and go back. This is happening over and over again. How many like an army like that? Yeah, that's how it was. Bad. It was a bad scene. So in the middle of that scene emerges a peculiar person, kind of a God-fearing, godly man who emerges from that. And, and there's just 600 soldiers. That's all they have there that are kind of on these battle lines. They're all hiding in holes. And out of that, Jonathan comes up in 1 Samuel 14. Isn't that a good context? Okay. That was awesome, Pastor. It was awesome. Thank you. Okay. So here's what happens. Verse 1. One day, Jonathan's son... By the way, I'm going to read through certain words real fast because you think I'm smart. But really, I just read fast so you think I'm smart. So... One, of the, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. That, those are examples of reading real fast. With him were about 600 men, among whom were Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahidab, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash. Paddywhack, give a dog a bone. I mean, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> One cliff stood to the north <laughs> toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. I like saying it like that. Perhaps, remember that word, circle underline, the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few. The armor bearer says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then, we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. I believe they mooned him right then. <laughs> look, look, <laughs> look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men in the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. That's his interpretation. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet like a ninja with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan. See, I like adding these things. It really makes it good. God, if you just ask me for help, I'll help. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistine fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Is that awesome or what? What a story. What a story. So here's what's going on. Everything happened that happened happened because two men were in relationship. I want you to see that as you go. This is, this is the power. One can put a thousand to ten thousand, really. This principle of partnership and relationship is so powerful. And I believe that God wants to do extraordinary things, not just through Jonathan and an armor bearer, but through you and me. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe that. I believe that. Okay, But you have to realize something that that won't happen if we are not in partnership, we are not in relationship with other people. You can write this down, but the dream God has for us cannot happen without the people that he has placed around us. 
So, so God, this is another note, but godly inspiration requires collaboration, which cannot happen when we're in isolation. That's enough of the big sentences, Pastor. Can we move on? Basically, you cannot do life. You cannot fulfill the dream. You cannot see extraordinary things happen in your life when you're trying to do it by yourself. T.D. Jake says that if you can accomplish your dream by yourself, then your dream is too small. Your dream is too small. So too many of us think, well, no, I'm not doing it by myself. I've got people around me, but do you have people with you? Just because you're in a crowd does not mean you're not alone. Just because you're sitting beside your wife in bed six inches away does not mean you're not miles apart. There's a difference in terms of being with somebody. Do you have somebody, this is our message today, who's got your back? Do you have somebody that has your back? Do you have, what does that look like? Does somebody know your dream? Does somebody know what makes you tick, what makes you ticked off? Does somebody know your pains or your struggles? Does somebody know what you aspire to be and what you want to grow into? That's what it means to have somebody who has your back. And so when we talk about connected and when we at connect, when we're trying to get you connected, it's not just trying to get you into some physical space in a circle seeing kumbaya and eating Doritos. It's way more than that. That's just the basement, the starting gate. The entry point of what God has for us in our lives. Because there's so much power in being known. We'll talk about this next week. But who has your back? Because your future will determine your friends. Your friends will determine your future. Here's our big idea. You will never rise above the level of your relationships. Ever. Ever. Doesn't matter what age you are, what stage you're in. You cannot rise above the level of your relationships. So we need to be strategic and intentional in our relationships in order to be successful. And I'm going to give you some tools to kind of learn how to go through that screening and that selection and that fettering through our friendships. So here are five characteristics we can take from the story of Jonathan and the armor bearer. Five characteristics of next level relationships. Are you ready? Yes or no? So here we go. Number one, five next level relationships, they challenge your perspective. They challenge your perspective. What was normal during this time in this, in, this, in this stage in human history was to hide. That was the norm. Thousands, you know, oh, no thanks, see you later, I'm going back home. No responsibility, I don't want to be exposed, I don't want to be a part of this. That was the norm. And amidst that norm was a person, one person who came out of the crowd, so to speak, who wasn't like that. You need people who are not just a part of the norm. They have a different perspective. Jonathan looked at the circumstances. He saw a ravine that went straight down. Then he saw kind of a, a chasm. Then he saw a ravine that went straight up, and he saw an outpost with enemies on it. He looked at that and saw an opportunity instead of a problem. We need people that don't see our problems and go, oh, yeah, that is really bad. Oh, here's a tissue. I carry these everywhere for my friends. No, we need some people like, hey, 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 you can do that. This is what God wants to do. Let me, let me spin this on you. Let, me let you. let me let you see it a different way. Take those glasses off and put these on, God glasses. I want you to see through the eyes of faith. You need people like that in your life. Can I have an amen? Why? Because God hasn't called you to mediocrity and average and normal and hiding and holes. He's called you to an extraordinary life, extraordinary life. It's so easy to fall into this way of thinking in our culture today, to live average, to live ordinary. As a father, I, I used to 
coach my son's basketball team because I wanted to kind of get involved and kind of give him a little edge in sports. And my wife and I are both athletes. My wife's in some cases a better athlete than me. I'm better, you know, stronger, but she's a better athlete. Plus, she's better looking, so that's a problem too. But um, so, but we we just we always got my wife's coaching the girls, you know, all through their high school career in volleyball and stuff like that. Still coaching right now. But I can remember coaching my son. And my contribution would be to help them with basketball. And because my handles are nasty. <laughs> Some of you don't even know what I just did. But anyway. So, so, so I thought, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to add one more thing to our plate. I'm going to start doing I'm going to coach in the town rec league. And so because it didn't have, didn't have sports on Sundays, I could get involved. So I go. And I'm the new guy, right? I'm the, I'm the pastor. And I don't know really town politics and stuff like that. And I got to tell you something. Town sports are corrupt. <laughs> oh, crap. This is on camera. Um, and so, so I get in there, and I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on here? I thought this was like you sign up, and then we organize by teams, and it's kind of just, you know, even, Steve. Uh-uh. There was a whole lot of stacking and packing of teams going on. And I didn't realize that till my first practice. And so I, I, I get all these great kids, and they're all happy, and they can't wait to see me. And I introduce myself, and blah, 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 and we're, we're having some fun. And I dunk a few basketballs, and I think I'm awesome. Uh, it was eight foot. But anyway, uh, and, and when, I'm, when, I, when I'm done, I realize these kids can't even talk and walk and chew bubblegum at the same time, let alone dribble a basketball. And then we go to our first game, and I'm like, where did they get that guy? It's like seven feet tall, and this person should be on travel. And these kids literally have been playing together since they could walk and talk. This is not fair. And so it always supposed to be fun. And games, and learning, and character development. And, and it wasn't fun. We lost like 50 to 10 for quite a while. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And I can remember talking, you know, you know yelling at, the, I mean, coaching the team. And I can remember saying, no, no, don't shoot, don't shoot. Oh, good job, good job, good job. You know what I mean? And it, don't, no, not that way, not that way, not that way. Nice layup for the other team. Again. It was rough. It was rough, rough, rough going. And so, so not that I was, you know, it's, it's not a big deal, developing the character, learning all that's all. It's, it's you know, just because just they can't play basketball is not the end of the world. But my problem was at the end of the season, and you guys are going to relate to this. You know what I'm talking about. I hope you do. But at the end of the season, everybody gets a trophy. What is the matter with this culture? Everybody gets a trophy. So little Joey gets a trophy. Oh, wait a minute. Joey, who didn't go to three quarters of the practices because he got mad. Joey didn't get to play every single minute, so he left crying to his mom and dad who came over to have words with me. <laughs> Here you go, Joey. I hope you feel good about yourself. Have a trophy. Joey doesn't need a trophy. Joey needs basketball lessons and a backbone. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox. There are winners and losers in this life, okay, everybody? This generation, you know, is just, it, this generation now is going into the workforce. Now they can work three out of five days, and at the end of the week, they want a medal. <laughs> I just used my sick days. I didn't even, and all that kind of stuff. So, so we need people 
in our lives, what does this do with anything? I don't know. Hang on. I'll figure it out. We need people in our lives who challenge the status quo, the, medioc the mediocrity of our culture, the average. And the problem is not what we think it is. The problem is we have a vision problem. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But vision without people perish too, right? So you need both. So, so in our generation, our, our, our crisis is, is a vision crisis, it's not a people crisis so much. It's not a generational crisis. In fact, I, just so you know, contrast, I think millennials are the most incredible generation in all of history. They're the most connected. They're the most creative. They have more passion and energy. But if they don't have vision, they're stuck in mom's basement playing video games. And that's why the church needs to wake up and, and, and literally engage them and invite them and involve them in the process because they can change the world and reach the world for the kingdom. Amen. And sometimes people come in and they're just like, they're just an afterthought. But if we can connect with them, help them find their purpose, get them in community, their lives can be changed like that. And I want to show you a testimony of a young man in a church. He's actually sitting in this service right now, Jason's story. Just a little glimpse of how quickly God can change somebody's life when they get connected. Check this out. Check this out. When I first got to connect, I was actually... At a point where I was sleeping out of my car, bumming around with friends when I could, sleeping on couches here and there, going to my gym to shower. <laughs> so, I mean, I was in, in a pretty dark place. We had always been fairly involved in different churches in the past, and I kind of just did it as a favor to my mom, honestly, just because she said multiple times, let's check out this church, let's go to this church, but I knew that I needed something like a good church to kind of bring me back on track. And uh, the moment I walked in the door, I knew that I was at the right place. My first Sunday there was his sermon about finding your purpose. And that was something I really needed to hear at the time. Um, just kind of talking about how you can stray from your path here and there. But um, at the end of the day, it's getting back on that path and staying on it is that's what really matters and he also said something that I'll probably never forget just about how in order to find yourself and find your true purpose in God you really need to lose yourself and without doing that you never really will and I sat in the second row of seats just tears rolling down my face because at that point I had lost myself I had hit rock bottom Devin actually reached out to me my first time there and just acted very interested in finding out more about me introduced himself and just asked questions about me, a little bit about myself, and um, again, just felt incredibly welcomed, and to me that was, made all the difference in the world, really felt like I had found what I now would refer to as my home church. Brotherhood was awesome, not only was it guys around my own age, but guys from different backgrounds and things like that, um, and but all kind of seeking the same thing at the same time, kind of like the name of the group implies, it's a brotherhood. We had our fun with competitive sports, dodgeball and basketball and things like that. But then at the end of the night, we would always wrap it up with some form of Bible study or reflection on some section of the Bible. And I found that that was always the most powerful part. I mean, we could go aggressively at each other in dodgeball or what have you. And then at the end of the night, we were holding hands, praying, and that was always, really awesome to me. 
personally, I think just my relationship with God since the day I walked in the door at Connect has only grown stronger, but especially in the small group. Um, seeing guys each week, asking you, how was your week? What's going on? Like, what are you up to this week? Just things like, little things like that make all the difference in the world. The group really felt like a family. Um, we referred to each other as brothers and it really felt that way. Without brotherhood, I mean, Connect is obviously a great outlet for getting closer to God and um, growing spiritually, but I think having, at least for me, guys my own age in similar positions and things like that definitely helped it along. To be where I'm at now, compared to when I where I was then, what, three months ago, it's pretty incredible when I look back on it, but to God be the glory. <laughs>
Seen, seen. And so we have to operate in this unseen world to see what God wants to do. Imagine what it was like for Moses, our superhero of the Old Testament, when he gets before the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Like, we like that part. But then he, this, he did this, like, really, there's this big moment where he throws down his staff, this huge stick, basically. He throws, let my people go, and he throws down this stick. What if that stick didn't do what he hoped it was going to do? What if it was like, kung, 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 kung? That's supposed to be a snake. Yeah. God, hello, 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 hello. So what if, it, what, what if that didn't happen? I mean, think of the faith that it took to get to that place. You think about Peter, and he's on his way to the temple, and there's this, there's this crippled person begging, and, and, he, and he's like, I got to go to church. I got to go to church. Ah, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. What if he just pulled him up, and the guy just crumbled back down to the ground? What, what if that happened, you know? What if he just, no, come on, come on. You know, this gives new meaning to drag somebody to church. Come on, come on, come on. Like, he, it was a big moment. It was tremendous risk. And sometimes we need people who stretch us spiritually to believe God for things that are unseen. Is everybody with me today? For some of you, that might be, like, outrageous. Your next big step might be a small step to get into a small group and have a big impact in your life. Some of you, like, you're just, and I, I, not some of you, a lot of you. That's all, just my agenda is to get you connected. I'm not going to lie about it. It's a small step. Some of you got these notions, these ideas. We talked about this last week. Oh, if I go to group, you know, all these things. There's, there's going to be, we're going to have to sit in a room and stare at each other. <laughs> and, and eventually, I'm going to have to sit in a circle and then get in the middle of the circle and tell all my junk because you're going to ask me all these questions, you know, and it's going to smell like cats and there's going to be cats going across my shoulder and stuff. It's going to be, oh. And then the next day, you have this, this, this vision, this, this fear, this nightmare that Pastor Mark's going to call you. He's the head of our small groups. And he's going to call you and he's going to say, um, yeah, so your name is and you were at the small group. Yeah. You know, based on what some of the things you said, you, you're not going to be able to come to group anymore. <laughs> I'll pray for you. I just want you to know something. That's not going to happen. See, those are, the, those are the lies of the enemy. Mark, Pastor Mark is a man of integrity, a man of, a man of character. He's a man of prayer. He would never a, approve of a small group leader who likes cats. Okay? Here's the third thing. Next level leaderships, they support you wholeheartedly. They support you wholeheartedly. This is what I love about the armor bearer, his response. Unbelievable. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you heart and soul. Wow. Now, if I was Jonathan, sometimes I bargain with God. Sometimes I'm like, okay, God, I know you're speaking to me. And sometimes people think, you know, Pastor D, he's a man of faith and power. I'm a man of paste and flour sometimes. I just want you to know that, okay? So sometimes I get, I feel all pump up, but then I give these little deals with God. So I'm like, God, so I hear you, but you're going to have to bring some support you're going to have to bring some people alongside me. I need some people, support, and I need some signs. And so I went for the support. So I think, I think basically, you know, Jonathan was kind of hoping the armor bearer wouldn't back him up. I think he was hoping the armor bearer would just be like, have you snapped, crackled, popped? Jonathan, you're, not, we're not gonna, you're insane. We're not going to attack. Who, what, what, kind of a, what kind of a battle plan is this? And that would have been Jonathan's out. You know, okay, God, see, hey, woo, no. So, 
No, but this armor bearer was, he said, I'm with you, heart and soul. Not only that, but this armor bearer, we, we can look back in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22, and in that whole area, basically it says there were no blacksmiths in the land. The blacksmiths were not allowed. They made swords and spears. They were not allowed to do that because the Philistines prohibited it from happening so that the Hebrews couldn't actually go to battle against them. So the only people that had a sword, according to the scripture in these stories in 13, chapter 13 and 14, were Saul, the king, and Jonathan. Only two people with swords. So the armor bearer didn't even have a sword. So Jonathan comes to him and says, we're going to go attack. Are you with me? The armor bearer looks at his, well, I don't have a sword. I don't have a spear. I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go. Some of you guys need, you know, a friend that is with you no matter what. Wholeheartedly, full support, all in, heart and soul. And sometimes that means some people have to, you have to allow them to exit your life. Sometimes you have to give them the right toe of fellowship. <laughs> By learning this, you know, you can change the trajectory of your life. I'm learning this a lot right now. There's some relational alignment that needs to happen in our life in order to be successful. Because Satan's always trying to destroy you through relationships. He's trying to destroy your capacity for intimacy, which enables you to grow. And he does that so that you won't trust anyone, ever, including God. And so what happens is when you are wounded, as a result, you devalue yourself. And as a result of that, you bring the wrong people in your life, which perpetuates the damage and the, and the problems of pollution in your life as well. Is everybody tracking with me? So we have to sometimes get away from the, the, the wrong relationships to be able to see the right relationships have the full impact on our life. Jesus even did this. Jesus was one time on his way to pray for a dead girl on the way to Jairus' house, and he said to the crowd, nope, you can't come with me. He even said to his staff of 12, you can't come, you can't come, you come with me. You can't come, you can't come, you come with me. You can't come, you can't come. Judas, you definitely can't come. We'll talk about that later. He picks three out of, his, out of his 12. Nine of his staff he leaves behind. And sometimes we misinterpret. Get this. Sometimes we misinterpret. Isolation and insulation are two different things. Isolation is, will lead you to destructive destinations. But insulation will prepare you. It helps you guard your heart for those big faith moments and those big decisions. There are some places and spaces in your life where you're going to have to take a big step of faith and you're going to have to take, make a big decision in your life and you better have insulated yourself from the wrong people and put the right people into that circle of trust. Are you with me? If Jesus did it, then we have to do it as well. Can I have an amen? And sometimes there's a cost to that. It's painful. And so, so, so we see the armor bearer. He's, I'm with you. Even without a sword and a spear, I'm with you. I have a person like that in my life and it's my wife. My wife, Stacy. I call her Boo. Boo, for me, is the heart and soul of Connect. I got the big shoulders, carry a certain amount of weight, but, but this, that's, that's my boo. She's the one who fights for us, our marriage, because it's the foundation and cornerstone of our, of our spiritual family. All this crumbles apart if we crumble apart. She fights for our family, which is a model, an example. We're not perfect, but we're progressing as a family. She fights for that, and she fights for the vision of this church. And wherever I've gone, whatever crazy thing I'm going to do, wherever we're going to go, she's with me, heart and soul. You all need, whether it be a spouse or a friend, you need somebody who's with you, heart and soul. You need to have somebody who has your back like that. And if you say, I want that, you, I say, you can the test of desire is pursuit. You can't sit there and wait for it. You have to go after it. Can I have an amen? Yes. Number four, they help you strategically. Everybody say strategic. 
See, here's what sometimes we miss in this whole faith zone is I think sometimes we don't see that there was a plan in here. A little different, but Jonathan, once he had the buy-in of the armor bearer, they, they made a plan. Basically, he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call out to them, and, and we're going to expose ourselves. And if they respond this way, we'll do this. If we respond that way, we'll do that. They had a plan. And sometimes we don't realize that in moments of great risk, there also have to be great preparations or great planning. Faith is not foolish. Faith and foolishness are mutually exclusive. And sometimes some of us, it's a rare breed, but some of us kind of go into that cray-cray place where it's just, I'm believing God, I'm believing God. You know, people are that way with their finances. You know what I mean? They're just, they got a black belt and MasterCard. You know what I mean? Zorro, that thing. And they just believe God's going to bless because they gave on their credit card. No, that's not how God works. Let me try that again. No, that's not how God works. Okay? We give what we have, not what somebody else gave us. Okay? And so, so we got to be people of faith. God hasn't called us to be foolish, but to trust him. And count the cost. Even Jesus told us to do that. I was in college years ago, and I remember going to this uh, place in the Ozarks with some friends. And we were going to be jumping off these, these, these cliffs, these ravines, into these pools of water that were amidst all these cliffs. It was beautiful. And some of these cliffs, back then I was, I was a little more crazy. I would never do this now. Um, and uh, it's like 40, 50 foot drops, like crazy. Like two, three, four second free falls. And I loved that free-falling feeling. You know what I mean? I was kind of, we had this, back then you have like uh, adrenaline rush, addictions, and things like that. So, but I was crazy, and so were my friends, but we weren't stupid. Well, a couple of my friends were stupid, but that's another story. <laughs> I can remember we get there, we get to the top, we look down, we decided to climb down to the bottom, and then we swam out into the water in a certain pattern, and then we swam down deep to like 20, 25 feet to just make sure there were no rocks so that when we, when we jumped, we would be okay. See, there's faith and there's risks. There's great risks, but there also has to be great planning and preparation. You need people in your life that are saying to you, have you checked the water? Have you checked the water? Have you, do you have a plan? Do you have a strategy for that? Hey, let's talk about something that we can make sure this is successful. I, I want to give you, you know, let's just stop and consider and let's have a little bit of a strategy in our life. I have people like that in my life, like Charlie Legassi and, and John Dudley's of my life. And, 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 and sometimes I'm like, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And they're like, whoa, Nelly, whoa, Nelly. I'm with you, heart and soul, but let's get a plan. Let's get a plan. Do you have people like that who are, who are like that? Proverbs 21 says it's good planning and hard work that lead to prosperity. We need that in our lives. Something that, that builds our destiny, that supports the direction and trajectory of our life. It gives you kind of a plan, a growth track for your purpose. We actually call that growth track here at church. We help people figure that out, give you those foundations for your faith. Tonight, you know, on the second Sunday of every month, we have 201. It's there to help you get a plan for your life. Get lined up with some of the right people. Make sure the right building blocks are there in your life. Amen? So as you begin to align yourself... Um, with people who challenge your perspective, people who are there to build you up spiritually and challenge you spiritually, who support you wholeheartedly and help you think strategically. Something amazing happens in this fifth thing. Here's the fifth thing. They propel you supernaturally. They propel you supernaturally. When all those elements are part of your relationships, you will go further faster. You go further faster. This is what's extraordinary about this particular story is that two people, in essence, conquered an entire army for no other reason than they were in relationship together. Two people. The truth is there no, there's no limit to what you can accomplish when you're in the right relationships with each other. 
If you just have a, you have a Jonathan and you have an armor bearer in your life. In 1 Samuel 14, verse 16 and following, I didn't read that, but basically here's what happens. Because of the initiative, the faith, and the support, and all these relational dynamics that were there, because of that, the Philistine army, the Bible says, they began to melt away. And they began to run in all different directions. Saul saw what was happening, and he grabs his sword, and he begins to pursue the battlefield. People on, on Israel's team who had defected, Hebrews had gone over to the Philistine side, realized the chaos and calamity what's happened, sees what Jonathan and the armor bearer are doing. They defect back to the, to the winning team now. And they come back over to the other side. And then they begin to go to battle and begin to destroy their enemy because God showed up and intervened in a powerful way. And it says in verse 23, so on that day, everybody say on that day, the Lord saved. The Lord saved Israel. Connect, God wants to save our city. God wants to save our, our region. God wants to save our neighborhoods. God wants to save your family, your spouse, your children, the people that you care about the most. But we need to have next-level relationships in our life that we have pursued intentionally. In order for that to happen, we have to get out of isolation and into interaction with one another. I believe there are supernatural connections on the other side of your faith and the other side of your obedience to a message like this. Would you stand to your feet and let me pray for you? every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to pray for you in just a minute, but before I do, if there's anybody here who's not in relationship with the most important and best friend you could ever have, and that's Jesus, I would hate for you to walk out of here and not be allowed to make that connection. So we won't embarrass you. We won't call you down front. We won't do any of those kind of things. But right there in your seat, between you me and God. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. In fact, when you invite Jesus into your life, all your other relationships, they'll begin to work. In fact, it's on the other side of faith. You look at it and say, no, relations haven't gone so well for me. No, I put my trust in that person. No, I took that risk and it hurt me. Yeah, but Jesus wasn't the center of your life. And when he is as the center of your life, your relationships will begin to be life-giving. If you believe that today and you know he's knocking on the door of your heart, with every head bowed, just honor the people to your, to your right, to your left, in front, behind you. I want them to have that moment of privacy. If that's you, I want you to boldly raise your hand right now and say, pray for me, Pastor. Boldly, come on, raise it good and high. All over the room. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it up. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, yes, yes. You can put your hands down. That's awesome. Church, and those that raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I believe. I can't do it without you. I invite you into my life. Be my friend, my best friend. I thank you for what you did for me on Calvary 2,000 years ago. Died for my sins so I could be in relationship with you now and forever. Make me a new person and help me in all my relationships to be life-giving and new as well. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, seal that prayer, Lord, unto the day of your return and, and, and beyond, Lord, as we go to heaven, Lord. The angels rejoice and celebrate. I pray for every person, Lord, that somehow amongst people but not with people. 
They're around crowds, but isolated. Lord, I pray that you would help them to get connected in a profound way. Lord, that they get involved in a local church. They get involved in a, a community, a small group, Lord God. And they can see what happened in Jason's life happen in their life as well. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord the best praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on, son.